This podcast has been brought to you by Close Brothers Asset Management. We've created this podcast to set out possible approaches. Please do not view it as financial advice or its content as investment recommendations. Just because an investment or investment strategy has performed well in the past does not mean it will continue to do so. Our predictions are based on information that is currently available. However, events and markets can and do change rapidly. Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast. I'm Tom Santralaya and I'm joined today by our regulars, Robert Ulster and Isabel Albaran. Hello. Hi. Now, February was another really busy month. We've got all sorts of data and news flow to digest. Uh, we had that bumper day of interest rate rises right at the beginning of the month. Uh, and that led through to the painfully slow Irish Brexit deal finally getting over the line at the very end there. Uh, but I'd like to start elsewhere in the world, uh, as we've just had the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, of course, the uh, the human impact of this horrendous scenario uh, is incalculable. Uh, but let's focus in on the economic impact, if we may, today, uh, because that's been very significant and felt more or less throughout the world, notably in the energy market. So 12 months on, Robert, what's the state of the energy market today? Uh, what are you seeing out there? Well, it's in a lot better place than it was 12 months ago, where, you know, energy prices, oil and natural gas, you know, spiked to sort of record levels. And now it looks as though we're past the peak, past that hump. We're on the way down. So although it's positive in terms of price mm. Uh, moves, um, they're declining. And it's visible, you know, if you draw a graph out, you can see that the energy prices are declining. So Russia is still managing to sell oil and gas on global markets. But as the old adage says, you know, high energy prices um, lead do eventually lead to lower demand and lower energy prices. And so it's proven with those very high prices leading to Central Europe, um, developed Europe, reducing its consumption and pulling in um, other supplies. And that's eventually led to, to reduced prices. Well, that's great to see. And, and we need to remember, of course, that uh, the invasion itself actually just served as a catalyst, already exacerbating energy price rises that were, were in play uh, beforehand. Uh, so, Isabel, have some of those other factors that were impacting the energy price, have they started to dissipate in any way? Some of them have. Um, so I think there were sort of two factors relating to the pandemic. The fact that uh, we had sort of damage done to output or disruption to output mm -hmm. because yeah. of the pandemic. So yeah. output in 2020 fell by 4% and then it only recovered by about 3.5% in 2021. So a bit of a hit there. And then I think the second thing is the fact that because it wasn't really possible to do much services consumption, we we're all doing a lot more goods consumption, and that probably also had an impact. Of course. Uh, but there is one thing that I think still remains an issue, and that is the fact that corporate incentives don't really encourage businesses to do a lot of um, capex investments in their capacity. One, because you know, thinking more long term, we're expecting to move away from fossil fuels. And then secondly, because, well, investors actually really like it when companies have capital discipline. So, um, you know, shareholders have not been trying to encourage uh, oil and gas companies necessarily to be doing a lot of investment. So as a sort of example of that, 
we've seen um, about a 60% fall in the oil majors investment spending and exploration and development compared to where we were in 2012. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, and recent de developments within the area, it, it gives me the feeling at least that um, this isn't going to blow over quickly, the conflict. It, it's here for some time. Now, we were aided somewhat by the milder winter. Yeah. What if yeah. we find ourselves here 12 months' time, yeah. a yeah. cold winter's yeah. hit us? Yeah. What are the implications of, yeah. of that scenario? Well, the good news to offset that is the speed at which, especially Germany, um, pulled in um, extra supplies of energy, liquid natural gas, built the terminals to be able to import it, built the storage to be able to make sure that going into next winter they'd have sufficient um, reserves of energy to maintain their economic and industrial output. And they've done a really good job of it. So despite the mild winter, they're in a very good place and will be with that storage going into the next one, even if it's cold. So that is definitely an upside surprise. Um, now, several industries within Germany have been hit, the chemical industry in particular, mm -hmm. but overall GDP and industrial production has remained remarkably steady given the events we've all lived through. So a glimmer of hope there, at least economically. Yeah, very much so, I think. Um, yeah, agreed. And, you know, Germany is such a powerhouse of Europe. Those It'll spill over to other parts of Europe, including the UK. So it's great to see those energy prices coming down now. Has that actually fed through to inflation yet, Isabel? Yeah, absolutely. So in lots of the sort of economies we all follow closely, the US, the UK, Europe, um, that's been actually the main reason why inflation has been falling. Uh, the reason why central bankers are still concerned is because other elements of the inflation basket are not falling as much. <laughs> and um, those elements are the, the kind of components that actually tend to have a bit more persistence. So, for example, this sort of core services component, which perhaps reflects more trends that are happening in wage growth, those are the elements that central bankers remain most concerned about. Yeah, well, we're certainly feeling it at home in terms of the food budget each week. Uh, very tangible up upside on, on the cost there. Um, and what about central banks? What are they doing in all of mm. this? Obviously, they're mandated to get hold of inflation, bring it down as yes. best they can, however they can. Yes. Um, and they've been pretty straightforward with their messaging so far. How, what are they saying these days? Yeah, that hasn't changed. So we're still on the tack of all the central banks determined to bring inflation back, perhaps not to their targets of around 2%, but nevertheless a long way um, south of where we are today. And they will do everything in their power in terms of interest rates, movements and um, fiscal tightening to get there. So I, nothing's changed on that. What has changed, as Isabel alluded to, is that inflation is coming down. So we feel we're at the point somewhere in 2023 or if not early 2024 when inflation is, for want of a better word, defeated and interest rates can come down even further. And that's what the markets are trying to figure out and discount. So do we feel like we're getting close to peak interest rates? Hopefully. Um, I think, there, well, as Robert has mentioned, you know, inflation is coming down, so that's positive. But also, because it's been high, it has done some damage to the economies. So... Um, for that reason, there is an expectation to see slightly weaker growth, and that in turn should be pulling down inflation somewhat. 
this core kind of concern is this issue around wage growth. Um, now, historically, we have seen central bankers pivot before we see sort of a rise in unemployment. Um, so that's kind of the key thing to watch. Let's hope the pivot happens soon. I've got to remortgage in a couple of months and uh, <laughs> it's bringing a tear to the eye, oh. if I'm honest. Um, well, let, let's bring it back to uh, Ukraine for a moment. We're a year on, uh, had plenty of time to reflect on things. Isabel, let's revisit what we were thinking at the time. Um, what did we get right in our expectations of how this might unfold? Great question. So I think uh, the key thing we got right was that higher energy prices were likely to lead into inflation, and that was probably going to mean higher interest rates, mm -hmm. and that also that higher inflation was likely to damage the economy, as yeah. we sort of mentioned previously. I think what we didn't get right was the extent to which energy prices were likely to rise. And I think there's a good reason for that, which is that energy prices had actually already risen a huge amount. So if we look back to January of 2022, before the war sort of really got underway, at that point, we'd already had a 356% rise in European gas prices wow. over 12 months. Massive yeah, number. A really big rise. So, so by the, the August of 2022, gas prices were 236% higher still. Mm. So, you know, we did see a beefy rise, but I think it's because we'd already seen so much strength um, we perhaps underestimated the degree to which they could go further. And w what about the things we might have got wrong? Was there anything that we, d we didn't quite get right? Yeah, I'd say there were two things. The first was the speed at which Western companies exited Russia, and very high profile as well. Mm. Um, and, of course, it's probably minimal damage to the Russian economy. I mean, that's going to be affected more by the withdrawal of technology for their oil and gas production. So there was that's the first thing. And the second thing was, I think, the fact that the inflationary pressures, the higher interest rates, what that would do to equity and bond markets. We mustn't forget, 2022 was one of two years in the last 50 where equities and bonds were correlated together and both ended up negative. And that's something um, which is very unusual um, but nevertheless, I think, you know, we weren't on top of that. So lots of lessons there to take forward. Very much so, yeah. And, and let's be honest, there's no shortage of other geopolitical tensions out there in the world. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, elsewhere in the world. Isabel, things uh, were or certainly are looking more positive over in China with the reopening with, uh, since the yes. zero COVID policy. Um, how's that unfolding, do you think? Yes, well, so far, the whole situation is evolving better than perhaps we had dared hope. Great. So firstly, if we think about the health situation, one of the things that kind of kick-started COVID in the very first place was Chinese New Year travel back in 2020. Um, and we had fears that perhaps the same thing might happen this year. Mm. Fortunately, because it seems as though about 80% of people had in China had COVID back in November and December, we haven't seen a big second wave of cases um, in sort of January and February. So that's really positive. Um, on a mobility front, so, you know, how much have people's, um, you know, travel and consumption activities returned to normal? Well, thinking about travel sort of within cities, that is very close to pre-COVID levels. Um, if we think about domestic travel, that's about 80, 85% of pre-COVID levels. 
And then sort of the final piece of the puzzle is going to be international travel. So there are still some restrictions around that. But um, I think currently um, flight capacity is around 6% of pre-COVID levels is expected to reach 25% by the end of March. So a fairly swift recovery. One thing that might temper the recovery is the fact that we have seen a little bit of a deterioration in um, Chinese household balance sheets. So if you think about you know, the UK and the US, everyone was able to sort of save quite a lot of money over the pandemic, partly because of stimulus checks and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, in China, household balance sheets have got a bit weaker um, and income growth has also slowed. So people might not be feeling as confident about spending money, even though we're definitely seeing early evidence that people are really keen to spend money on experiences. So lots of capacity for people to get out there to travel and to spend their money. Absolutely. It's just whether or not they've got the, the money itself to go and spend. Well, all the, all the confidence. And yeah. the housing market is key there because the housing market is about 60% of household wealth. So yeah. if we can see house prices recover, that could help a lot. Okay. Still sounds like there's a lot of opportunity there to uh, to the discerning investor. What, what about you, Robert? What are you seeing as potential investment themes with this Chinese yeah. reopening? So I don't think it's to be underestimated. I think that consumer demand that... Isabel's been talking about is going to lead to and has led to upgrades in economic growth, not only in Southeast Asia, but in other countries, because Europe is still pretty exposed to China, whether it's sort of the export of cars or the export of luxury goods for the Chinese consumer. And of course, you're going to also see over time, the supply chain issues get resolved or eased as the Chinese get their economy back working again and as you know the world's largest manufacturer that is going to have an effect over time and reduce the prices of goods elsewhere um, but it's a balancing act you've got both the increased demand and then you've got the disinflationary um, supply chains coming back and it'll be interesting to see exactly how that plays out absolutely there's plenty of food for thought there and isabel i think you've got a stat for us to uh, close out the uh, the episode today i do and it relates to this phenomenon that robert has just been explaining so my stat is 3.7 go on and 3.7 is the number of overseas trips um a survey of chinese consumers they the number of trips they plan to make in 2023. So that's really quite a wow. high number. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Take that. And yeah. the number one reason they gave for those trips is for shopping. Really? Right. Yeah. Well, that, that plays well into the investment theme that you were just saying then. Excellent. Well, look, that's all fascinating stuff. Uh, and I look forward to speaking with you both uh, next month. So thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you.